Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the wait, wait, wait. I was just about to say seamless, but apparently not. <laughs> Record scratch. Now what I'm going to say oh, are you is going gonna... to sound... Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Apologies in advance. Bas gast ba in filmi istirohati in podcasti har haftaina ast amo mo jakoa kam mesevem vadar borai filmo kidar seven ruzi axir dai diem su bat mekunem. Which, as we all know, is Tahik for Welcome Back to This Week in Film. Oh, wait, I think I may have said This Weekend in Film. How embarrassing. Um, <laughs> apologies to all of our fans in Ta- uh, either Tahikistan or Tajikistan, depending on which Google you're looking at, where we were number one this week. We were the number one show in Tahikistan or Tajikistan. <laughs> And I'm so sorry for obliterating the name of your country, which, as we all know, is located west of China. Thanks, Tajikistan, and welcome aboard. I, too, apologize for that, but we're happy to have you, and we hope you'll continue to listen in spite of it. Their presidential republic consisting of four provinces. Oh, and now we know that. Thanks, folks. Tajikistan, according to Wikipedia. Tajikistan. Let let us know how awful. What did I actually Please say? Correct us. Uh, <laughs> Please correct us. Feel welcome to let us know how to actually say your name, or just tell us to to go to hell or whatever. You're you're yeah. you're in the right. But you're welcome, world. Now, whenever we're in number one in a country, we're gonna do it in your native language. <laughs> At least the intro to the show. I'm talking to Midwest Matt here, hey. and I'm Nick Pananto. Matt, how's it going? It's going all right. It's going all right. How are you, Nick? I'm doing all right. I have seen two movies this week, and right. boy, I can't wait to tell you about them. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what they were? I do. Apparently, it was Bible Adventures Week on This Week in Film, and I watched a movie called The Christ Slayer from 2019, and another Jesus movie called Forty Nights from 2016. Hmm. Well, all right then. I watched... Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, and a movie called The Lodge from 2019. Well, yours sound more prestigious, so I'll go first. (laughs) Okay. The first movie that I saw this week is a movie called The Christ Slayer. As I said, from 2019, it is directed by Nathaniel Nose, and this is part three of the Quest Trilogy, (laughs) which is a trilogy I know nothing about. Did you know it was part three when you started it? We read that and went, uh, we'll figure it out. Ah. <laughs> and no. <laughs> I mean, we ended up being able to follow along, but for the most part, uh, no. And then the other movie that I watched, The 40 Nights, is part one of the trilogy. Oh. This story is the story. It's a it's a Bible adventure, mm-hmm. but it tells... I'm going to send you a text right now, uh-huh. and I want you to pretend it's ancient Roman times. Okay. All right? Uh-huh. What is that lion getting ready to do to those people? What is the name that I have just texted you? Longinus. 
Are you being serious or is that actually how you would say it? I might have just said that because I've heard that. I don't know. I, I would probably say longinus. I would go with longinus too or something like that. Yeah. Something along those lines. But your first instinct was correct. The main character in this movie is called Longinus. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot I sent you that clip. Did that clip tip <laughs> right. you off? <laughs> That's why I think that came to mind. Shit. Oh, I ruined my own bit. So the main character's name is Longinus, and he's blind, and we're like, oh, wow. He's blind, and was because he was blinded as a child. Now, you won't be able to tell that, because most of the time when he's walking around acting blind, he acts as if he was blinded last week, and he's just becoming a blind man instead of walking around with a certain level of... uh. This guy's no daredevil, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and like he walks around like he's drunk all the time and, and he's just very unsteady on his feet. And, you know, that's fine for a blind person in Jesus' times. Like, I, I don't think you'd get that far unless you had wealth like this guy's family comes from. But my wife and I, who were watching this movie, we thought that, oh, we must have gotten... Longinus's story in the previous movies, like what happened to him? Why, why did this guy blind him mm -hmm. and as a child and like all this stuff? And uh, the answer is no, you don't. No, the one flashback you get to him as a priest going, hi, I'm Longinus. Who are you? And the old man says, I am fate. And then he like reaches to his eyes and you hear a child screaming. <laughs> That's the backstory you get on why this guy is blind. So, so no, it's not. It's not much at all. So this movie is two hours long. Mm. If it was an hour and a half or an hour and 25 minutes, this would be my new The Room. Oh, man. And I am not exaggerating. Like the okay. first hour of this movie took us an hour and 15 minutes to get through because we couldn't stop laughing to rewind it and, and watch stuff again. This is the most poorly written, poorly edited movie you've ever seen. I will say beautifully shot. Huh. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. Nathaniel knows got an eye for for cinematography it's beautiful looking huh. but the, but but nathaniel knows who is also the editor of the movie sucks at editing because <laughs> <laughs> you got characters flipping sides you got sound of like sword sound effects like you know the sound of two swords rubbing against each other yeah it's like a scraping like a sharp yeah, like scraping that. sound you got that noise when a sword's just moving through the air oh, and wow. just things like that but on top of very well and competently shot footage. It's mind-boggling. This movie starts off with Longinus. He's training to be a, I guess, like a Roman centurion or something like that. I can't remember. And this guy who's not Rob Riggle is training him, and he's a dick to Long Longinus. And he just keeps asking him, like, who's the better swordsman, me or Crispus? And Crispus is this other guy, and he's battling him. And you're just, like, watching these two fight. And you're like, which one of these guys is the higher ranking officer? And why are they involving the blind man in discussing who the better fighter is? And then Crispus, I'm guessing it's Crispus, wins the fight. And the Rob Riggle guy is pissed off. So he picks a fight with Longinus, who's blind. And I'm going to keep saying this because they tell you constantly that he's blind. Yeah, okay. He beats the crap out of him for like a minute. 
And by beating the crap, I mean literally kicking him in the butt to knock him down. And then Crisp, this guy, Crispus, saying, he's had enough. He's had enough fights. I outrank you, Crispus. I will decide when he has had enough. I'm fine. <laughs> over and over again. I think we got every instance of him saying it. And he's he's had enough. I will say when he has had enough. And then he kicks him in the butt again. And then Longinus gets pissed off and comes up with his sword and like they clash swords like four times like cling 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 longinus all of a sudden did turn into daredevil and he can see what this guy's doing and if i had seen this in real life blind man not only parry one sword strike but four in a row uh-huh. that would be the most amazing thing i've ever seen you know you'd be like wow that was cool. And then he does it two more times. And the guy who he's fighting is just like, you're a terrible fighter. <laughs> and then kicks him in the butt again. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, so the next day, Jesus is getting crucified. And <laughs> that's, that's your setup. Crucifixion. Jesus. It's just the thing that's happening. Yeah. And Jesus is played by DJ Perry, who I don't know if that's like his club name or if it's like Derek Joseph or or whatever. But since we started this, I have just been referring to him as DJ Perry, (laughs) which is fun. Good times. I'm sure Jill loves that. (laughs) But you don't get to see his face. We're at the crucifixion the next day and the crowd of extras they have, which is like seven people deep, are like, oh, no, we're sad, I guess. Or are we cheering? We're not sure. We're going to do both. We're sad and cheering. And the one of the two black guys in the movie is also being crucified. And this is like from Jesus's point of view. You don't get to see DJ Perry yet. You just like from his from his eyes and you see Long and Longinus off in the corner holding a spear and Rob Riggle telling him uh go stab him with your spear and Longinus is like I don't want to do that and then Rob Riggle literally drags him over to Jesus and pokes him in the belly with with Longinus's spear while Longinus is holding uh. it and the amount of blood that sprays out of jesus's belly or ribs or whatever is the most comical amount of blood and longinus falls to the ground and the blood is just raining on him and he's just like drowning in it because there's so much and wow does it go on for forever and then jesus's mom is there and she's sad because you know crucifixion which is horrible and then they show this crowd leaving because i guess the party's over in the background they show sad mary like turning to walk away and then one of the one or two of the extras are skipping <laughs> like, huh? like skipping like children like yay what a fun day at the park <laughs> I cannot, I cannot explain to you. You're going to have to watch like the first 10 minutes of this movie. Just put this on the list of uh, movies to watch together in person. Uh, oh, I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you were saying that it, it's too long. Is the second hour just, just wear you second, out? Once Jesus shows up, the movie totally. Like Jesus shows up and he does some weird kung fu stuff. <laughs> what he doesn't actually do kung fu but he stops like a crime and this one dude is like oh and starts crying and runs away and you're like oh jesus is the one and then he like joins up with longinus and this is after the crucifixion so it's like three days later and the resurrection has happened and i I got a real problem with christianity 
I'm not going to really get into it here, mm-hmm. but for the most part, the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Bible in general, is just kind of lousy storytelling. The, the general theme is kind of interesting, but as far as telling a coherent story, mm-hmm. it is all over the place. This is a question that I had going into this movie, knowing that it was like a Jesus movie and it's like a resurrection, like post-resurrection kind of thing. I was like, I have a lot of confusion about the whole Jesus is God thing. Okay. Jesus is the son of God. And also But he God. also is God. Uh-huh. It's really bad storytelling because it's having your cake and eating it too. Because he can be like, oh, I'm just a lonely man, but I'm also a god when it's convenient. And it's just like, it's just real bad storytelling. And I'm just like, just explain to me how you can be both things at once and also unsure of it. I just like explain this to me movie and the movie is not coherent enough to try to explain <laughs> not, a topic not like gonna that. resolve this one for you huh right and i'm watching this movie like here i am potential convert to your church you know maybe maybe i'm gonna join up after watching your jesus movie and you got nothing for me you got no answers <laughs> at one point somebody says about the resurrection that the tomb was opened after the the three days and the body wasn't there and somebody goes well somebody could have just taken the body and they're like no way man he's alive again but no one's seen him nope well then he must be alive <laughs> they all just go along with it i'm like oh my god you're so close <laughs> you're so close to it but you're just not there just explain it to me use magic if you have to but like explain it to me anyway uh, jesus shows back up and longinus is is returning to his ancestral home and they they just have like this road journey together where they're walking back and forth across the same property because Longinus I guess is blind so he doesn't know and eventually they get to like where they're going and Jesus is like you believe in me as God now right and Longinus is like yeah you are the one true God good my mission here is over and I'm like wait this is what Jesus did when he came back to life as he hung out with this blind dude (laughs) and then just left like that that's what he did (laughs) it's like what is this story uh not a good story not a good story also this part's going to be delicate to talk about all right um can't wait there's a guy in the movie who seems to have down syndrome okay which is totally fine and his name the actor's name is josh perry and I'm, i'm pretty sure he's dj perry's brother or or something like that josh perry does a does a fine job in the movie he's not a very good actor but he does a fine job in the movie totally passable he delivers all of his lines and you can understand everything he says like you kind of get everything you need from him but there's there's a moment in the script where longinus is saying hey i'm gonna leave and i can't take you with me and this this guy is longinus's like servant or whatever or like helper or something it's very unclear and the josh perry guy is like no i want to go with you no matter where you're going and longinus has the line where he's like they won't accept people like you where i'm going and i'm 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 very confused as to what the movie is trying to say in this moment and it really bothers me where i'm where i'm wondering is the movie saying that the town that longinus is from won't accept a person with down syndrome or is the movie acknowledging that this person has down syndrome because it it doesn't seem to be and if it's not then what is 
the difference mm-hmm. with Josh Perry and the Longinus character. Mm-hmm. Like they, they kind of make make a passing reference to it, but is that what they're going for? And the movie is so stupid that it I don't even think it's aware of what it's doing. And it totally doesn't even bother trying to give you an answer. And then when they get to where they're going, everyone just loves Josh Perry when they get there. And it's fine. But you're just kind of like, why include that moment in the movie if you're not going to pay it off in some way? I thought I would mention that because it was very awkward. Uh-huh. I think that might be all I have for this un- until you like watch it. <laughs> Uh, not um, sure that's going to happen. Just watch like the first 10 minutes if you got nothing going on, okay. because my God, did I laugh and laugh and laugh. I laughed so hard. I got a, I got a headache. Like we were leaving a tool concert, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the Christ slayer. I'll, that's, I'll check out it, the first 10 minutes of it. It's the highest rated movie of the quest trilogy at 4.4. On IMDb. So all these movies are like on Netflix? I believe they're on Amazon Prime. Okay. Noted. But wow. I'll tell you what. It was so bad that it made us want to watch the other ones where we're like, this is a gold mine. Look at this this bounty of treasures we have found. And then there was the second hour. Of I was going to say, man, I feel like it would turn you off if it's that boring in the second half, though. We just wanted some answers. We just wanted some answers. <laughs> You're going to come back after watching the other ones and be like, actually, now that I know, it hangs together a lot better than I thought. Well, stay tuned for later in the show when I do my discussion on 40 Nights. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's see. Um, probably the best known movies, Three Billboards. So I'll leave that one for last. So I watched a movie called The Lodge. I had read a review from somebody who, who said that they thought it was pretty good. It was a 2019 movie, and there's going to be a lot of people who aren't actually well-known actors. So there's a guy who's not Joel McHale and a woman who's not Elizabeth Shue, and they're getting divorced. And the kid oh, from no. Knives Out is in it, and it, Knives Out and um, It, one and two, uh, he's in it. He's one of the kids. And then there's a little girl who's a younger sister who's like 10 going on January Jones. <laughs> she, she, like, and, and I don't mean that in that I'm like sexualizing her and saying she's hot. I just mean that she looks like she's got a, a not a kid face. And specifically, her face looks kind of like January Jones face. So anyway... Not Joel McHale and not Elizabeth Shue are getting divorced and not Joel McHale tells her, hey, I'm going to marry the girl that it's it seems implied that he like cheated on her and left her for. And so she goes home and promptly kills herself. Oh, yeah. And then we kind of skip ahead and it's pretty clear that the kids don't they like, you know, they're upset about their mom. They didn't like this woman to begin with this new like stepmom and or future stepmom. And there's this like pressure for them to like her, you know, coming from the dad. He's like, yeah, you got to, you know, let her be part of your life and all this sort of stuff. And so they go out for Christmas to this lodge that apparently is a lodge that they used to go out to with the mom. 
And Ooh. so, yeah, and, and some of the planning here is poor because there's a bunch of stuff in the lodge that's the mom's stuff. Like, a lot of her religious things, like paintings on the walls and just things that belong to her. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's hers. And he's like, do you want me to get rid of it? And I'm like, why didn't you get rid of this to begin with? You should have walked in the house before anybody else or just driven up here on your own and taken all this stuff and put it away. I mean, I get the sense that they own the cabin, so I don't think it's the sort of thing, you know, because their stuff's there. So it's not the sort of thing that, like, they just we're like, hey, let's go to that place that we used to go with mom. It just was how like, much, let's go to our place. How much time has passed? I want to say like six months. I, I'm not 100% okay. on that, but I want to say like six months. So um, everybody should just be over it by now. The vibe throughout this entire movie is that dad thinks nobody should be bothered by anything. Like this guy is just an ass. And he's not <laughs> in the movie a ton, but whenever he is, he's doing something like that. Like, stop being upset and make me comfortable. I don't want to mm-hmm. be bothered. Oh, and his uh, his new wife is an escapee, sort of, from a Christian cult. And so there's a lot in this movie that's like, it's bringing up these like Christian elements. And I don't know what they were about, but I'll finish it is up. Bible week on the show. Actually, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is sort of a psychological thriller, horror movie type of thing. The kids and the woman end up in the house on their own for quite some time. And you don't really get a ton of explanation as to like what's going on. And that's like I said, you know, it's sort of a psychological thriller. So you're not exactly supposed to know. And when you say, yeah a set of time are we talking a, like a long afternoon or a bunch of days at least days but the movie does some things with times and dates and so weird stuff starts happening in the lodge and and i i'm not gonna recommend this but i don't want to spoil it either uh just in case I'm you not, do i'm not gonna much. see it okay uh listeners i guess i'm gonna spoil this yeah so. spoil away so yeah things like the the clock they're they're there on december like 22nd but then the clock starts saying that it's january 9th and the woman who's with the kids who by the way is not drew barrymore she is supposed to be like on medications and stuff to to help with her like traumatic experiences i i think it's implied that she might be bipolar but i don't know if they say that out outright and so she's on medications and the medications disappear and then all the stuff in the house disappears and you're like what's going on here and then the kids start like going you know like their stuff's missing too and then they're like yeah we we uh we're dead that's what's going on the the boys like we're all dead we must be dead and then there's like this that's a hell of a leap uh well then there's like this like newspaper that's out front and there's this photograph of all of them with a flower and it's like rest in peace and all their phones are dead and at some point the woman like hears the girl on the phone and she yells at her and she takes her phone she's like you've had a phone working this whole time but it's not and then it becomes revealed oh 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 and the boy hangs himself oh god to prove that they're not i was gonna say to prove that they're dead yeah so she's like, oh, my God. And he's like, no, look, I'm still alive. See, I'm not dead at all because like, I'm fine because we're already dead as he's like, hey. oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, OK. That's a cool twist, I guess. Uh, No, no. Oh. Maybe in that moment it is. But I think at that point, it's already pretty clear that you're supposed to believe this anyway. So it's not a surprise for the viewer. The surprise uh-huh. is that later. Oh, and it's it's also implied that they like drugged her like that they put something in her drink before this night where everything disappeared and then it's revealed that the kids are the ones who hid everything uh-huh 
Yeah. So they're trying to trick her into thinking that they're all dead. And then it's kind of unclear because the girl's like, yeah, I've been talking to, uh, oh, my, my phone actually is almost dead or something. I, I've been talking to dad too much. And it almost seems like they're saying like the dad's in on it. And they're like, oh no, now it's not going according to plan. She believes it too much. We need to convince her that we actually are alive and that we were just pretending, which is the truth. And then she doesn't believe them. Meanwhile, the whole time, the dad hasn't been talking to her. There's there's some sort of BS line where she's like leaving a message for him. And she's like, it's probably better if you text. But then it seems like she hasn't even been getting texts or anything. It really doesn't make sense. There's a good moment <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> the the good moment is there's a point where not Drew Barrymore falls through ice and like a you know like ice fishing thing and mm-hmm. the little girl so the little girl f- almost falls or no she does fall in a little bit trying to get her doll that fell in the ice hole. Then not Drew Barrymore falls in. The little girl gets out and then she's like, "Well, everyone's trying to rescue not Drew Barrymore." she's like my doll (laughs) like she's just like get me my doll back well the woman's almost drowning so that was the highlight of the movie but the rest of this movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense it's not awful but it just it doesn't come together well at all there were things about it that started out awfully like i made a note early on that said this movie is shot like ass because it just looks like found footage but still like so it's not like a moving camera but the shots are just like they're just bad shots where everything is in focus and Mm. things are just shot in the most boring way possible that gets better as the movie goes on so i was trying to figure out if there was a reason for that but i could not come up with one and figured out how to use the camera well as the shoot went on i don't assume that they shot the movie in chronological order but if they did that might be it there were a couple things that i was like well in this moment this seems like kind of an interesting shot or an interesting idea but it's been stolen from another movie like there's all these miniatures and they seem to be stolen completely from hereditary and then oh man there was something else that seemed like it was out of a a movie too and then they have like scenes from the thing that they're like watching on television and i'm like don't you dare don't you dare put that movie in this movie because this just makes me want to go watch the thing again and not be watching this i think that this movie is about regret and that is all i could tell you like when it comes to themes it's like very basic like this is probably a theme i don't know what you're supposed to be taking from it like regretting things sucks i don't know and at the end when i'm like i don't know whether or not the dad was supposed to be in on this it it just makes it kind of impossible to know what to do with it and she ends up shooting the dad because she's like look we're already dead and he's like no 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 and and she's like getting ready to shoot herself and then she pulls the trigger but the gun doesn't go off it's it's sort of like a russian roulette kind of thing then she shoots the dad in the head so he's dead and then she basically i think that all rhymed yeah well i i speak in iambic pentameter too you just gotta you gotta (laughs) listen for it And then the movie ends with her putting duct tape over the kids' mouths and having a gun with bullets in it still. So you're, I guess, assuming that she's going to kill them all. The movie throughout it seems to want us to feel like she's the bad guy. But even before you find out that the kids are in on it, it's like, I don't really blame her. I kind of feel for her. So like she fell in love with this guy. He left his wife for her. 
And now these kids are like kind of brats and and maybe they're not completely in the wrong. You know, they're frustrated because their dad is telling them to like love her and they don't know her yet. But I feel kind of bad for the woman. And I'm like, the person in this whole movie that's terrible is the father and he's barely in it. And then when he comes back, I don't even know what his part is in it. When you say the, the kids are behind like all of the mischief. Yeah. Are they malicious or are they just being bratty kids or are they trying to drive her off? They're trying to, I think they're trying to like mess with her sanity because they're, they're, you know, they hid everything and they're making it seem like weird stuff is happening. They're changing the clocks to confuse her and disorient her. But then at some point it seems like, uh, they're doing it possibly with the dad's involvement. And if that is the case, I absolutely don't know why. So if it's explained or implied, I did not catch it. Where does the dad go? Uh, he has to work. (laughs) So, uh, he leaves and, and he's gone for days. And then he's that because of some of this imagery with these like miniatures, it's like there's a dollhouse in in their house in the home. And it always looks like the people are sort of in the same positions that they are at the lodge. And it seems like at some point the dad looks at the miniatures and he's like, oh, yeah, I guess it's time for me to go back to the lodge. Look, they're sitting on the floor. I, I don't even know. I truly don't know what this movie was, what it was. I don't know what was happening. And it doesn't seem like the kind of movie where it's like. I don't know, like Vanilla Sky or something where you're like, you know, something from Stanley Kubrick where you're kind of confused, but you're supposed to be. It just felt badly done. Yeah, I don't know. When it comes to weird stuff, well, there are a couple things I just don't know about. So, like, apparently, in this movie at least, people let go of black balloons at a funeral. Is that a thing? Seems like oh. a bad idea. Bad for the environment. Like a, don't let go of balloons. Sounds just terrible and all. Yeah. And then the, there, there are moments where you see the cult leader from the cult that she used to be in, who is also her dad. Uh, and he has a terrible, terrible wig. So there's that. Uh, and then at some point someone says, it doesn't say anything about presents in the Bible. And I was like, well, wait a minute. What about gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Those are presents. It's that. Yeah. Okay. And honestly, that had to do with like Christmas. So the, the, oh, the commentary are you a on, king, Matt? Are you a king? Am I a king? Yes. Yes. I yeah. Am. Then you get presents. <laughs> Oh, yeah. One of the bad things, too, is that like there are some places where if I did not have the subtitles on, I would not have known what's going on. So like at the beginning there, before the mom kills herself, the radio is playing. And I'm like, I can't even hear. I literally had no idea there was a radio playing until I saw on the bottom that there were subtitles telling me what the newscaster was saying. And that was the setup for this being snowed in at the lodge. I, I guess that's another reason he's not at the lodge, the dad, like he leaves for work and maybe he can't get back because of the snow, but then he just drives through the snow. So again, it doesn't really make much sense. And other weird things. Oh, in the part with the thing, this is just an interesting thing that happened with the subtitles. So instead of saying TV colon, blah, 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 blah. The subtitles actually say McCready and then McCready's lines from the thing. Oh, that was interesting. And that was one of the more interesting moments in the movie. (laughs) Where they just, they just make it seem like Kurt Russell is talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, yeah, it just pops up the way it would if it was anybody else's name. Right. And it's kind of all I got to say about this movie. It's an hour and 48 minutes long and. Ooh, too long. It didn't necessarily seem incredibly long, but. 
being annoyed with it and not having things pay off. Like you could kind of feel, or I could kind of feel it where I was like, if this pays off, okay, it could be, I guess it could be really good, but it has the feel of something that's not going to pay off that well. And then it didn't. So I, uh, I can't recommend this one. Yeah. The Lodge. It's not the worst horror movie I've ever seen, but it's it's pretty disappointing and, and frustrating. Oh, well. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch it then. Well, there you go. What I did watch, though. 40 Nights. Is a movie called 40 Nights from 2016. This movie was directed by Jesse Lowe. It was written by DJ Perry and stars DJ Perry. Rance Howard is in this and he's been in like a couple of things I've seen and he's like the only actor in this movie. Dan Haggerty has one line in this movie. He plays the voice of God who says, "Hey, that guy's my son <laughs> from from heaven." And like it's just this voiceover and apparently it was his final role before oh, no. he uh, passed on. Wait, is this um, the first in the trilogy that the other movie was the third in? Apparently. Oh, while oh, we were okay. watching it, we thought it was the second because, oh, Jesus is already like, it's this 50 year old guy playing 20 year old Jesus or like 18 year old Jesus. And that's who DJ Perry is. He plays Jesus. And oh, so we thought that the first movie would be like the manger, like the Christmas story, Jesus's birth, like that whole thing. We thought we would start like Jesus begins with Jesus Begins instead of Jesus at 18. So it starts off, there's some guy in a river who's like just saying like, come unto me and be baptized and don't go to hell. And this guy walks up to him and it's Jesus. He gets baptized and he comes out of the water in slow motion, <laughs> brushing his long hair out of his face. And he gets out of the water instantly dry. It's it's closer. Totally dry. Well, he's got superpowers. (laughs) Yeah. Or that's just poor filmmaking. This movie did not have the excellent cinematographer's eye of Nicholas Nose or Nathaniel Nose from The Christ Slayer. Jesse Lowe, not so great as a filmmaker. This movie is very bland looking. Every shot looks exactly the same. And it is boring as all hell. This was not the golden bag of treats we were hoping for that we got with the Christ Slayer. Uh There was some nice stock footage at the beginning, and you could tell it's stock footage because it doesn't look anything like the rest of the movie. This is another example of Jesus has got nothing better to do than what the plot of this movie is. And the plot of this movie is Jesus is going to go walk around in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, or for 40 nights, which is the title. And he will not eat or drink anything. And immediately my bullshit alarm is going off where I'm just like, this is just shitty storytelling. Like, what what are you talking about? Like, I know he's like a superhero and he's got all kinds of powers, but he's not allowed to eat or drink water for 40 days. And that's impossible for a human being to survive, whether or not he is a god. He's either a man or he's a god. Which is it? And the movie can't decide because they they keep doing the same thing from the other movie where they just don't answer the question. They keep answering questions with more questions where where someone will say well how can you be so sure and he goes it is the divine presence that makes me sure how are you so sure that i'm not and you're like that's not an answer that's like stop like, dodging the like, question you bastard stop backwards talking and just answer a question you have no idea how much time is passing because the 
DJ Perry looks like he's putting on weight as the movie goes along. When the movie was over, I said to Jill, I was like, if this movie starred Christian Bale, by the end of the movie, he would look like he did at the end of The Machinist, Mm -hmm. which is a movie I haven't seen. Oh, Um, that's a good movie. That's what I hear. I just haven't gotten around to it. I watched 40 Nights. And so (laughs) this DJ Perry dude looks like he's just putting on weight as the movie goes on. He doesn't look thirsty. He doesn't look sunburned. The only thing they do to show that time has passed is he's got some, the robe that he's wearing has some holes in it now because it's tough out there in the desert. And the antagonist of this movie is the devil. And the devil is played by three different actors. One is a boy. The other is a middle-aged man played by the Rob Riggle guy from the other movie, which was very confusing (laughs) because is the Rob Riggle guy in the other movie also the devil or is that just this guy's got 10 friends and he's one of them and then rance howard plays the old man devil and the rance howard old man devil is the best part of the movie when he shows up because he makes some legit points where you're like oh that's a good point oh i like i like this this combative energy we've got going on between Jesus and the devil and Jesus is just given non-answer after non-answer. And you're like, you're not selling me on this religion, JC. Come on. So Jesus is in the desert. It's somewhere between day one and day 40. And he's very hungry and very thirsty, but refuses to eat or drink anything, even though he keeps coming across rivers. And I'm thinking if you come across a river, isn't that the Lord providing you with a river? Like, I have given you this river. Please enjoy from its bounty. But because the devil's there, like the devil's just following him around like a dick. It's actually pretty great because the devil, Jesus keeps telling the devil to go away. And the devil's like, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> he just sticks around. But the kid actor is just the worst. And then the Rob Riggle guy is not much better. So Jesus is walking around and the devil's there just talking about how much he loves food and how much he loves to drink water. And Jesus just wants to pray and meditate on his super fast what's it called where you go on uh on his uh super walkabout uh, like when you're in australia yeah there you go but he's not going anywhere his his objective is to just get lost and then come back and it will take 40 days exactly and he knows this and that's what he tells his buddies before he leaves camp and he wakes up one morning and he goes i'm gonna go uh I'm going to go on a 40-day walk, and uh, this this date or fig that I'm eating is going to be the last thing I eat. So uh, I'm going to enjoy this, and uh, I'll see you in a little over a month. And they're all like, okay, bye, Jesus. And he's like, see you later. And then he just like walks down the same hill because they have one location for this movie. And at one point, he makes friends with a lamb. This lamb is lost, and he makes friends with the lamb. And the lamb had a credit in the credits of the movie. And the lamb's name is Mr. T-Rex. I enjoyed that. (laughs) I enjoyed that quite a bit. I was like, oh, good for the lamb. I wonder if that's a Jurassic Park reference. I wondered that too. The guy who plays Jesus is terrible in this movie. He's much better in the third movie than he is in this one. This this movie, he just looks bored a lot. He just, sometimes he's just staring at the camera and it's very uncomfortable. At one point he goes to light a fire and he just can't do it so the camera pans away and then it pans back and he's staring at the camera or just off camera and the fire has lit and you're like did he light the fire with the flint or did he does he have jesus fire power like did he flame on with his human torch much like the other movie and i I don't think i mentioned this but the dialogue is the worst 
in these movies where you know how they talk in in Game of Thrones or in uh, Gladiator where it's it's an old style of talking but with modern delivery. I don't, I don't really know how to say it. Where it, where like it sounds old but you understand what they're saying. Okay, so just like not not authentic, it's more just stylistic. Right, where it just feels like oh, we're it feels like we're saying old-timey things and I'm very smart because I can understand what they're saying. Okay. This movie is is going for that but fails on every possible level. As does the other one where at some points in this movie, I feel like they're just reading the Bible where it's just like, and so forth, you shall soothe this for, for coming upon me. And you're like, nobody would say that. That's one. That's not good dialogue. And two, it's delivered poorly. Both of these movies feels like a church performance of a Shakespearean play Okay, where everyone is just kind of terrible and the sets are awful and the costumes are wrinkled bed sheets, and you're just like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm already here. I might as well finish. <laughs> We're going out to dinner after this. We might as well finish watching it. And it just goes on and on and on. The philosophical debate that the devil brings up at the end is he says to Jesus, because he's basically tempting Jesus the whole time, where he's like, just give up on this whole God thing and, and join join me, and together we can rule the universe, basically. He's doing a whole Darth Vader. And Jesus is like, no, no. But like as as his quest goes on, he's like weaker and weaker because he hasn't eaten or drinking anything for a month. And the devil is an old man now, and he says, well, listen to this. I got one more good point for you. And I, I'm, I think it's a pretty good point. God created man, right? And Jesus is like, that he did in his own image and gave them the choice of free will. And Jesus doesn't seem particularly happy with that decision. The free will thing is a big theme in these movies where free will is bad because in the Garden of Eden, when the devil offers Eve, yeah, Eve, uh, the poison or the apple of knowledge or the fruit of knowledge or whatever, mm -hmm. she makes a conscious decision to do that. Even though God said, hey, don't eat that fruit or you got to go. But she she says, I'm going to do that. And that's her choice. And the devil says to Jesus something along the lines of because God gave them that trait, that's a foul or, or a failure on his part. Right. And Jesus goes, I would assume so or something like that. Something along the lines where he's like, I would, I would agree to that point. And the devil says, if that's the case and God made man in his own image, then God is fallible. And Jesus goes, now you're using that dirty tongue that got you cast out of heaven. And I'm like, that's not a response. That's a great point. That's a good point. Like the, the correct answer to that is, yep, everybody yeah. makes mistakes. And this one is God's. And that's why I'm here so that I can feel what that mistake is, because I don't know what that's like or something like that. Like, that's the correct answer to a question like that. Instead, it's don't you dare say that. <laughs> and that's the end of the conversation. I was like, oh, that's a good discussion. And then there's another good point later where Jesus is talking to an angel who gives him a piece of bread at the end of his journey, which it's like Lambus bread in the Lord of the Rings because it just brings him back right away. And Jesus says to Gabriel, would you sacrifice yourself for your beliefs? 
because Jesus knows he's going to get crucified next week or something like that. And Gabriel says, if I was ordered to do so, I would. And Jesus says, what you're describing is duty and not sacrifice. And I was like, oh, that's a good line right there. I like that. And then they just move, they just brush right past it. And I'm like, oh, they finally have like a coherent message in this movie of of what I think they're going for. And they don't even know it. And they just blow past it to get to the end of the movie. And then you and wanted to just, see the, the debate kind of play out more. Yeah, I wanted to see the, the, the debate because this angel doesn't doesn't have free will. And so he can't do anything on his own. And then they have this like real quick discussion of, well, if I was a man, I don't know if I could be trusted with that kind of power to just decide whether or not to sacrifice myself for others. And he goes, and he says something along the lines of, I don't know if, if I could be trust myself to do that if I had that power. And Jesus is like, and that's why I'm the Jesus or something like that, like something along the lines of, and that's what makes me better than you or, or something along those lines. And then, and then he like wakes up and he just like walks back to camp. I think I prefer the the line and that's why I'm the Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Also, uh, during this movie, there's a lot of flashbacks to when he's a child and to when he's 14 going on 50. And sometimes they call him Jesus and other times they call him Jesus or Jesus or something. Did Jesus have different names? I don't I don't know that in my Bible stories memory of, of anything like that. Different names like Mary isn't called Mary. She's got a different name. And I'm like, is this some sort of Southern thing where... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the Bible's been translated a lot. I'm not sure what that does with names. Yeah, I don't know. Because they start calling him Jesus later. Even the mom starts calling him Jesus, although early in the movie they call him by something else. I don't know if it's a religious thing, like when you're young, you have one name, and then when you become a man, you have another. But I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. So, hey, listeners, if you know, let me know. Because I'm interested in knowing. There's this one really weird flashback where Jesus is is sitting in his kitchen with this old man. Uh-huh. And the old man is just crying. And Jesus is like, here, have some water. And the old man, who I'm pretty sure is just being overdubbed by a different actor, is reading these lines of like, but I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And he's like, that's fine. Please just drink the water. And the old man tells this story about how his family is dead. And Jesus is like, yeah, but that's fine. They're with God now. And the old man's like, oh, okay. And Jesus goes, would you like some bread? And the old man goes, sure, I'll have a piece of bread. He takes a bite of the bread. and He goes, I can't taste it because my family is dead. And Jesus goes, and Jesus is like, they're with God. The bread is fine. And the man goes, you're right. It is good bread. I'll have some more. And that's the end of the scene. Okay. It's so weird. Also, Jesus spends 40 days in the desert, doesn't sweat at all. This movie would make a lot more sense if he said he spent five days in the desert. As opposed to 40. Yeah, like I think 40 is just there because it's extreme. Like who could do 40 days? But realistically, if you're trying to tell a story like this, four or five days is the most a person can go without drinking water. And he doesn't have anything like the devil offers him water a couple of times. And there's a few times where he comes across water and he just doesn't drink it. But he does take time to cool his face off. He takes like a little quick bath, but doesn't drink anything. And I'm just like, if this was a a movie that took place over five days and on the fifth day, he's just straight tripping balls because he's losing his mind. It would make a lot more sense. But the 40 days thing is just too much. It's just way too unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Are you done with this one? Done. Okay. So one more thing. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Ebbing, Missouri. I think this is from 2019 as well. Is that right? Actually, now I'm starting to think maybe it's longer than that. I feel like it's 2017. Really? Let's see. Yeah, it is 2017. Slam dunk. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. 2017. A woman decides to pay for the billboards on a seldomly used road or seldom used road to pressure the police into investigating her daughter's murder. And this is based loosely on true events. It, it was actually a father who was taking steps like this and uh, his daughter was murdered. And I believe could be off on this, but I believe she was like in her thirties. This is like a teenage daughter. And so she pays to have these three billboards criticizing the police and saying that they didn't, they're not doing anything to look for the murderer and rapist of her daughter. And the movie kind of follows how this all unfolds between her and people in the police department and her son. The woman is played by Francis McDormand. The police chief is played by Woody Harrelson. And the cop, there there are a couple different cops, but the main cop other than him is played by Sam Rockwell. And so you're really seeing these like assortment of different people responding differently to the situation, differently to each other. There's a lot of character arc going on in this movie, you know, watching people change. And I thought the performances were really good. You get to see a lot of people getting their asses handed to them verbally, you know, like big confrontation moments. You know, a lot of movies only have like one or two of those. This movie's got like a handful because the protagonist is, she's a flawed character, but she's just kind of ballsy. Like she's sort of got that nothing to lose kind of, I'm I'm just not going to kowtow to anybody. She makes mistakes though. Things don't go smoothly throughout the movie it's a really dark comedy so there are in spite of it being really a dark movie there's a lot of humor and it's surprisingly funny like the humor even it's in some pretty heavy moments and it's still they sort of thread a needle with a lot of those uh, moments is this a coen brothers movie i don't think so but it does sort of have that kind of feel if you were to tell me it was i wouldn't be surprised let me check i can tell you the writer is martin mcdonough and uh so is the director yeah woody harrelson's character like the chief he's he's a pretty interesting mix it's like not really villainous and not really heroic you can sort of be on everybody's side although the sam rockwell character there are a lot of parts of the movie where it's like uh i'm not quite sure where he's coming from you know you can just tell he's kind of in a bad place but he's a little less sympathetic for a lot of parts in the movie there are kind of hmm almost like fantastical shades of not not fantastical like just like really far out there but like it's it's not like a life aquatic with steve suzu kind of thing no no like glowing creatures and whatnot so it's the opposite of whatever movie i was talking about a couple weeks ago but it is sort of fantastical in that like the interactions are are so extreme the emotions and like the parts of people and their willingness to grow so like the arcs are just kind of i don't know if a bit much is quite right because it did, it wasn't really a turnoff for me it's just in moments it's a little idealistic how there are moments where people will just accept things that it's hard to believe people would accept you know like they'll get some sort of news that's like hey this really bad thing here's what caused it and it should like kind of break their way of understanding the world but instead they're like yeah 
Okay. They're just automatically running with whatever's told to them. So it's a little unrealistic in that way, but I feel like it kind of works with the tone of the movie. I don't think it's a mistake. As far as like bad stuff goes, the timeline is really funky, like particularly the third act. Like there's someone who gets injured in a particular way and their recovery from their injuries between one scene and the next seems to really throw off the timeline where it's like, oh, I guess a bunch of months passed. And then it's like, wait a minute, they're kind of talking like things happened last week. And based on how many months ago they said this girl died at the beginning of the movie, this has only been a handful of weeks. This doesn't seem right. And it really does kind of throw things off. It, it pulled me out of the movie a bit, pulled Karina out too. She was like, wait a minute, how long has this been going on? People kind of share things at really opportune times. So the movie feels a little convenient sometimes. It doesn't take, it doesn't detract a whole lot from the experience of the movie. But as far as like the story and plot side of it goes, it would mess with that. So if you go into this I'd say I, I would recommend it. I think it's worth watching. I'd say try to go into it looking at it as sort of a character sketch kind of thing more than a plot movie. And another thing that I didn't think was very good about it was there's a character, and this actually has to do with like the plot itself. There's a character who shows up for one scene and then with where the movie resolves, it feels a bit manipulative where it's like, well, wait a minute. I know we're leaving with a few things ambiguous and we're probably supposed to leave them with some loose ends. But with what we discover, why was this character in the scene that he was in earlier doing what he was doing? And that part actually really that that part bugged me. Like the, this one particular character being there felt like a real cheat. It, it was pretty frustrating. I don't mind the movie ending with some ambiguity going on, but the way that part played out just seemed kind of cheap. And and so the weird stuff is probably like the questions that that leaves in the air. And like, it's not just questions about what's going on in the movie, but like what the movie makers were going for. But all in all, I think the performances are worth it. I think it's such a kind of unique movie in the tone that it strikes and the fact that it manages to be successful at humor with as dark as everything is, is pretty interesting and impressive. So I would say, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not real hesitant to say check it out unless you just don't like movies that are very dark because it's dark. It's very dark. I yeah, think you would like that, it. Yeah, it's a movie I've always like I've wanted to see since I start, first saw the trailer for it and just haven't. I'd had to watch 40 Nights. Yeah, you know, we, all have, we all have our cross you, to bear. Uh, <laughs> well, you get to make your own decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all you have for that? Yeah, I think so. I I think it'd probably be, once you do see it, it would be a pretty interesting movie to talk over together. But I don't have anything else to add right now. Well, that brings us to the next segment on our show, where we do our five on five segment. Five on five. There, it's, it's got a theme song now. Oh, gotta love that theme song. Just keeps getting better and better. Oh, man. After last week's bass line, I didn't think we could get any better. But there it is. There it is. Matt, <laughs> yeah. you'll go first since well, your I... list is already open. I see. What do I think you'll give The Lodge? I think you're going to give this a one and a half. All right. For the story, it's got an idea in there somewhere, but it's just done so crappily. I've really got to give it like a two, maybe. Performances, acting, 
uh, the husband's not very good. The kids are okay. Not Drew Barrymore was pretty decent. I, I'd give the acting a two. Uh, I'm just going to give it a two. Pacing's pretty... It definitely could have been edited down quite a bit. This movie should have been maybe an hour 25, maybe an hour and a half if something was added, but it, it's kind of stretched out and without the payoff. Eh, I think the most I can give it is a two for pacing. Aesthetics were garbage, so I give it a one. Actually, no, that's not fair because the aesthetics did get better. The cinematography got better, more engaging, more interesting. So I would give it a one or like a three. So I'll give it a two. And enjoyment, I'm going to give it a one and a half. No, that's a little low. I'll give it a two for enjoyment. Two out of five. Wow. Two's across the board. Yeah. So exciting. That makes your average score a two. (laughs) All right. Let's see. The other one was three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. What do you think I'll give that? I think you'll give three billboards a three. All right. This is more of a themes thing than a plot thing. It's got some plot stuff. Uh, I'm going to give that a three and a half. The acting is really, really solid. I think I've got to go with like a four and a half on that. The pacing gets so wacky in like the end of the second act and then the third act. I feel like the pacing's got to get a heavy ding for that. So maybe two. That might be a bit more of a plot issue. But like I said, the movie itself so much more about theme. I'll, I'll say that's in there. Aesthetics. Hmm. I think it was a well shot movie. There's definitely some good imagery in there. The billboards themselves are very like eye-catching as they're supposed to be. I'm going to give the aesthetics a three and enjoyment. I think I'm going to have to give it a three and a half for enjoyment because I was engaged the whole time. Your average score for that comes out to be a 3.3. Okay. Which does not crack the top 10. No. Better luck next time. Opening my list, Matt, what do you think I'm going to give the Christ Slayer? Two. A two. So plot for this movie, not very good. Uh, There's a couple of interesting themes in there. A few religious references, I think. But overall, the plot, I'm going to have to give it, uh, I think I'm going to give it a pretty bland two, two and a half, two, a two, (laughs) a two. The acting is pretty atrocious. Uh, I'm going to give it a one for acting. Pacing, it gets a a 0.5. Because goddamn it, is it an hour too long? Even though it's two hours long, it's it's just too long. The aesthetics. Now this is difficult because while the movie looks beautiful and is shot very well, it's edited like crap, and there's terrible sound effects and generic sound effects at that. Like where you just buy a sound effects CD and use those. Where I would give it a four for like the cinematography, I'd have to give it a one for everything else. So I think I'm gonna have to give it. Gosh. I guess like a two and a half. I guess two and a half is fair. Two. It gets a two because some of those edits are just mind boggling. Like, like shot to shot. The person is like on this side and then he's on that side and then he's back on the other side. Now, enjoyment is another difficult one because for the first hour, this was the best movie I had ever seen. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then the second hour happened and like washed much of that out of our mouths. So I think I'm going to have to give the enjoyment a three. But if the if the movie was a half hour shorter and as poorly done as the first hour, I would think I might have to give this a five. 
because I, I laughed so hard. It, I had so much fun watching watching the first hour of this. So my score for that is a 1.7. Matt, what do you think I'm going to give 40 Nights? I think you're going to give it a 1.2. Plot for this is incoherent. Jesus goes into the desert for 40 nights. That's the plot. And then a bunch of other stuff happens around it that doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to give it a 1 for plot. The acting is terrible. I'm going to give it a 0.5 for acting. It's worse than local church group theater. It's it's really bad. Pacing, it's only an hour and 24 minutes, so it's like over. But man, do you feel the whole thing? I'm going to give it a 1.5 for pacing, I think, which feels generous the aesthetic i'm going to give it a one it looks like crap Mm. and then enjoyment of this movie i'm going to give a one too this one was not fun to watch i didn't enjoy this at all and that makes my average score to be a one for the movie Mm -hmm. which puts it right in line with cats and legend of tarzan tarzan the ape man still at the bottom with a point nine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's funny. If you would like to see our lists, you can hop on over to thisweekinfilm.com. There you will find a link to our letterbox page that has all our lists. Also on thisweekinfilm.com, you can click on a link called Midwest Matt Recommends, where Midwest Matt recommends things that he recommends. Matt, what do you recommend this week? I've got two points. One, uh, you know, a couple weeks back, I had talked a little bit about the um, use, use of force, force project. project.org. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was paying attention and, and listening to things as they're developing and, and seeing what's going on with more like the efforts to defund the police and reallocate money to better means of intervening with the community and stuff. I don't have a thing to recommend yet, but if people were listening to that and they were thinking about that, if you're interested in the other stuff, I'll come back with other suggestions with that as I look into it. I think the ACLU might be a good place to, to put money um, if you're looking to donate or volunteer or anything with the defund the police efforts. Aside from that, I would just like to remind people to be careful because while places might be opening up, the coronavirus is still pretty much the same virus and is just as dangerous. So uh, keep being careful. Don't don't get lulled into anything that might put you at risk. I don't know. The president said today if we stopped testing people, people would stop testing positive for it. Well, that literally happened. That uh, he, he might be right. But does that help? No, it doesn't. So be careful, people. Don't be stupid like the president. I agree. All right, Matt, have you anything else for this week? I do not, good sir. Neither do I. So I guess if that is the end of the reel, we will see you next week in film. Judge the president, because he's a piece of shit. He is the cough of the coronavirus. The president is just a symptom of a much larger disease. Oh, yeah. But, But he's the most visible part. He's the cough. He's the thing that you hear all the time. He's the he's the phlegm that lands on your shirt when the person near you is coughing. Gross. Yeah. But meanwhile, everyone else around you is also sick. Mm. Donald Trump is is a problem, but he is not the problem. This is true. The real problem are the forty five percent of people out there that will support anything he does. That sucks. But he became the president, so judge him. <laughs> <laughs> had enough fights. I outrank you, Christmas. I will decide when he has had enough. I'm fine.